Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Thursday morning, not the usual Monday morning. Uh, A little bit of travel issue. Both of us are traveling. So as if you listened to the last episode, you know that we are almost en route to the wedding of the doc, TJ, who has been on the podcast before. We're heading up to the great up north uh i'm driving up later today scott you're going up tomorrow morning right both from the metro detroit area as we currently stand the great metro detroit area and uh yeah we we've we've both been in and out of uh airports and stuff me a little bit more than you but uh coming over from poland uh we had quite the adventure and you know what's what's funny to me is I understand that philosophically speaking, it's impossible for an airline or even an airline worker to focus on each individual person as an individual person, right? They're shuttling like hundreds and thousands of people every day. They're just faceless, nameless numbers on their sheet. I get it. You know, I I worked in sales. I get it. (laughs) But we had, um, through the same airline, TAP Portugal, never fly with them. Uh, We flew from uh, Poland to Lisbon in Portugal. They only gave us an hour connection. Flight was delayed. And they said, okay, you missed the connection. We'll put you up in the hotel. Nice hotel, you know, whatever. It, It was annoying. We had places to be. But, hey. It happens, you know. Then they scheduled us the next day for a flight from Lisbon to Miami up to Chicago and only gave us an hour and a half of connection. And we're like, hey, we just had this problem. We're we're trying to repeat history here. What's the deal? And the guy just basically very plainly, very calmly, as if he was helping, just goes, well, you know, worst case scenario, we'll we'll take care of you. We'll put you in a hotel. We'll t- like Dude, I don't think you understand that like we're going from Europe all the way to the US. We clearly have somewhere to be. I don't really want to spend two nights in the airport hotels. There's <laughs> just like no no compassion whatsoever, but I get it, you know. But yeah, it's it's um <clears throat> it was about a 15-hour trip that turned into a 40-hour trip pretty quickly. So, we are here. We made it driving up today we're heading through east lansing we're gonna stop uh i've already indoctrinated my girlfriend into michigan state uh so we're gonna pick her up some more gear probably pick up uh, a new dog bandana or something for for the standing room puppy and uh life is good yeah congratulations in order not only for the doc and his wedding this weekend but he's officially a doctor now too so that's right picked up that nickname i think at that point he was like early in med school, if not just starting <laughs> undergrad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, getting it, maybe putting the cart ahead of the horse, but he followed through, uh, and he's officially Dr. Doc. Uh, so congrats to TJ. 
We're going up to celebrate, like you said, this weekend. My travel experience was much smoother than yours. We had to fly through LaGuardia, which is always kind of a downer just because it's LaGuardia, but uh, we made it on time and all is well. Got to go through a mire. We don't have a mire in New Jersey. <laughs> the the mothership, as it's known in my household, uh, always a fun experience. They truly have everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we're headed up there, like you said, this weekend. So it should be fun. Uh, podcasting on a Thursday, my brain's fried. I'm sure it's going to like throw off my internal calendar for a week or so podcasting today. But um, yeah, exciting time, May 19th. You know, plenty of football content, just busting at the <laughs> seams. So uh, that's obviously totally sarcasm, but we're trying to do something. too much stuff to talk about. I don't know how we're going to fit this into an episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to throw together, I mean, if you've listened to us religiously, you know that recruiting is just not our favorite topic, but June is official visit season. Uh, we have quite a few official visits for the 23 class. Yep. Coming up next month, we're going to go through kind of the top prospects for each weekend, talk about our favorites, talk about kind of where we stand with this class, where it could end up, um, and and go from there. So, yeah, it's it's quiet, um, but hopefully things will start to pick up here soon. I know recruiting, it felt like it got off to a great start. We had five or six kind of real early in the cycle, and it has been dead since then in terms of commitments plenty of rumors plenty of whispers but uh but in terms of solid news it's been quiet so hopefully that'll start to pick up in june like i said official visit season um get these guys up there for a second third visit and uh, hopefully start to lock them in yeah it's man it's like it is kind of frustrating when other programs keep picking up recruits, not too many, right? Even the national side of things, it, it's a bit slow, but other programs are sneaking recruits through here and we're just kind of sitting here twiddling our thumbs and, and waiting for something to happen. But, you know, while I'm sitting and waiting, I am watching the NBA playoffs. And Scott, if you are betting on the NBA playoffs, DraftKings has a special offer for you. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win, get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs, the same game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, total threes made, points, rebounds, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game. Get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So yeah, it's, it's been, um, no, it's, it's been quiet and you're sitting here waiting for commitments. Um, the, the one thing is we were kind of chatting quickly about this before it is, it is exciting and frustrating at the same time to be in on the higher ranked guys, right? Because you know, in the back of your head that most high four or five star players, they are waiting as long as possible. And those are the guys that a lot of times you see on national signing day, even making their decisions. And so for some of these, especially the five-star guys, you have to be patient and you have to just kind of sit and wait. And you have to know that these kids are going to let the process play out. Cause a lot of these kids, they like being recruited, right? I mean, it would be hard not to like being recruited. Everybody likes being wanted and liked. And you have how many coaches and, and grown men coming, flying across the country to your home to beg you to play football for them. Like, that'd be a pretty cool experience. Like, I, I don't I don't blame them for dragging it out a little bit. So, yeah, we got to be patient. And you got to remember with, with these higher ranked kids that it, it it always takes longer. That's just how it goes, you know. But, um, but yeah, it is just from, from the content standpoint of for us, especially because we have to find stuff to talk about, 
But even just for like before we started the podcast as a normal fan, when it's May and you're just sitting there waiting for something to happen and there's no actual football and the only thing to talk about is recruiting. And when there's nothing going on in recruiting, you're just like, I need my Michigan State football content. There's nothing here. But in June, which is coming up around the corner here, we have uh, hopefully some clarity on a couple of these guys. The official visit season is kicking off soon. Uh, Mel Tucker has like his official, you know, Twitter gif um, for for visit season and right around the corner here. Yeah, so we'll get into um, kind of what sparked this. Justin Thind posted an article on 247 about where we stand with these five stars that have shown some interest in MSU, varying levels of interest. They have different backgrounds pulling them towards Michigan State or not. Um, we'll go through those guys. We'll go through, like I said, kind of the top guys from each weekend that are currently scheduled. Obviously, later in June, they'll probably tack on a few more names. It's obviously just the middle of May right now. Um, and then we'll kind of look down memory lane a little bit on historical five stars who have gone to Michigan State. Quick disclaimer, we say it every time we talk about recruiting, stars are not everything, but they do give us a baseline to kind of segment our thoughts and decide who to talk about. We can't talk about every recruit all the time. So we're going to use it just as a way to organize our thoughts, but three stars, two stars, four stars, whatever, all can be exceptional players. Um, it's hard not to get excited for those guys on the top of the list, though. Before we dive into MSU, Kevin, I want to read this quote. It's going to be all over Twitter today. It came out last night. Nick Saban was talking oh. on a panel, and I want your thoughts here. So he's talking on this panel for some 50-day countdown for some world games in Birmingham, Alabama. I don't know what any of that is. But the quote, he was asked about NIL, um, kind of how Alabama approaches it. I don't know the full question that he was asked, but here's the quote for you, and I'll let you take it wherever you want to. Saban said, we were second in recruiting last year. AM was first. AM bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. We didn't buy one player. I'll, I'll pause there for dramatic effect. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. So essentially, Nick Saban said, listen, AM's buying their team. Nobody's checking them on it. We're going to start doing it too if you don't stop us. I know this is a big point of contention in terms of regular regulating the process, overseeing the process, putting some rules in place. But Kevin, when you hear that quote, where does your mind go? Well, the the first place my mind goes is exactly what you just said. And that's some people, how many times have we had quotes from Nick Saban related to the, the grand scheme of college football? And a lot of the common fan takeaway is, well, he's just scared because he's going to lose his place at the top. And it's like, no, 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 no. Nick Saban is warning you <laughs> every step of the way, whether it was the, um, the, the most famous one, the infamous one, if you will, was the RPO with the offensive lineman being able to, to go downfield. And that was what really sparked the Nick Saban Alabama offensive revolution because he knew what kind of stress just that simple rule change put on a defense. And when he said something about like, is this how you want football to be? People were saying, oh, well, he's just scared because how many times Nick Saban has been beat by the mobile quarterback and he's just scared that this is going to be the thing that takes him down. And it was like, no, no, no. Nick Saban just knows. If you want him to use this, he's going to score 60 points a game and college football is is going to be over. The discussion is over. And but yet people were saying, "Oh, he's like he's just scared." And it, this is the same thing to me. It's like people are going to say, "Well, oh, Nick Saban's just scared because other teams are getting his best players." And he's like, "No. He just knows that hey, Alabama boosters will do whatever I tell them to." And if I tell them to spend their entire life savings to get these players, they're going to do it. And I don't think you guys want that. So let's just put this back in the bottle as best we can. The, you know, the best quote about this uh, was from Josh Pate. And he was making it a, a funny point because if, for people who are following the whole NIL stuff, 
a lot of it has become people basically just kind of resigning to the fact that, well, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Like we were too far gone. So what are we going to do? And, and Josh Pate made a good point. And he's like, I can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, but I can at least take the toothpaste tube from you <laughs> so that you stop squeezing out all the toothpaste. <laughs> it was a good point. Cause it was just a lot of people just kind of say like, well, what are we going to do? And he's like, well, I can at least, at least put the decision-making power into the right people's hands and maybe they can't fix it, but at least they'll try, you know, <laughs> or at least they won't just keep aimlessly squeezing toothpaste. So, uh, no, I like the whole NIL stuff. I don't have a good solution. I'm not going to pretend to, I think players should get paid. Um, but I do think, I don't know, there, there's gotta be something the whole people have talked about like a salary cap, but, that's not going to do anything like if texas a&m if they tell them well you can only spend three million dollars you think they're spending three million dollars on the nose come on people have been paid under the table for the entire life of college football they will continue to do that like i don't know but in general it's it's a warning from nick saban it's not a statement of fear i could tell you that for sure you know what i love i I wish I had it up, but I just remembered it as you were talking. One of the bodies of college football, I don't know if it was a group of schools, a conference or what, but they asked Congress for like help with NIL regulations. And I'm sitting, I'm like, you're a congressman and you're dealing with the world right now. There's a war in Europe. There's COVID still ambling on. There's all this unrest. There's all these issues. There's healthcare, everything the world has to deal with to like keep people alive and keep society functioning. And you've got like, I don't know, the Mac conference coming to you, coming to Congress saying, we're getting smoked out here in recruiting. Can you please do something for us? And I'm like, how inept does the NCAA have to be that like people don't even go to them anymore. They're like, well, we know the NCAA. They They're not going to really care. Anything. They're not going to do anything. They're making their money. And uh, life My goes better... on. The TV contracts keep getting bigger. So, like, we'll just let it ride. My better chance of any actual anything getting done is me going to my local congressman than it is going to the governing body of this institution. <laughs> I guess if you have Tommy Tupperville in uh, in the U.S. Senate, true, then yeah. maybe you got a chance. But I can hear Tommy just like running around, you know, Capitol Hill, knocking <laughs> on doors like, hey, man, we got to talk about more football here. I know. I know you got your problems, but listen, this one, this is our priority right now. I think uh, Anthony Gonzalez, if you remember the white bald receiver from Ohio State, I think he's a he's either a senator or a House of Reps guy, but I think he's a senator. So we got a couple college football guys up in the if Dang that's that's two percent, right? Out of a hundred, so it's <laughs> a start. Um, yeah, so it's a mess right now. MSU, I think, is doing enough to stay kind of on, I wouldn't say fully on top of things. They're no A&M, but enough to uh, not scare guys away, right? They're putting enough on the table to, to pique some interest in that respect and, and be able to sell their other bells and whistles around the program right now. There was, um, if, if you guys subscribe to The Athletic, which you should, uh, Colton Pouncey put out like the fan survey, just kind of get a lay of the land. And one of the questions was basically paraphrasing, like, how confident are you in MSU's ability to navigate the NIL waters, basically? Um, very confident, somewhat confident, you know, whatever. And that was an interesting point because I'm like, I hadn't really thought of it in that sense compared to the rest of big time college football, right? I don't think we have. A&M money that's willing to spend that we have money. And recently we've seen, obviously with the Mel Tucker contract extension that they're willing to spend the money, but what are, what exactly are they willing to spend the money on? Right. Like when you look at like Matt Ishbia, right. He's, he's obviously willing to spend whatever it takes to get the right coach. But is he the kind of guy that when you go to him and say, Hey, we need this five-star quarterback he got an $8 million deal from Tennessee. We need 9 million. Is he going to be like, all right, 
checkbooks open, whatever you need, Mel. Or is he like, eh, you know, I, I gave you the money for you. Not, not for this whole buying 18 year old things. Right. Like, cause that takes a different type of crazy. Like there's booster crazy of like, I'm going to donate whatever amount of money it takes to get the right coach at my school. But continually donating a million dollars a year basically because it's not an investment it's a donation like just to get this four star this five star player like that's a different type of insanity that i i don't know if we had that's just an honest question i don't know if we have those kind of boosters yeah and it's also different going investing i guess i'll call it an investment because usually they get a little something out of it from a promotional perspective but um there's a difference between investing in an existing player a star you know someone comes to peyton thorne here's a million bucks yeah you know wear our gear when you're walking around campus when you're doing tv whatever and and you know send out some tweets however they they structure it but he's a known quantity right and he's got a name already that that is kind of entrenched in the program it's a whole nother thing. Like you look at Spencer Rattler going to Oklahoma, right? And I think he got some some bigger deals in his time there and then completely fell on his face. Yeah. And all of his promoters, all of his sponsors, whatever they're called, um, kind of have their head up their ass now with <laughs> with that investment. And so, I mean, it's the same as, as a program going after a recruit in the recruit busting, except this time it's just people putting their hard-earned money into these kids and hoping they pan out. And people that have that kind of money, uh, you know, there are exceptions who, you know, it's family money or whatever, but most of them made it by being a smart business person who isn't just blindly throwing money at things. They're more calculated. And that's what, that's the whole thing with the NIL stuff is I'm not, I think some things need to be changed and whatever, but I do think that it, there will be a certain point where it kind of levels off, right? Because let's say the Texas A&M people, they signed this great recruiting class. Well, what if this recruiting class never wins a national championship? Half of the players are good, but not, you know, the elite talent that they thought they were going to be. And then they look at this like, what did we really spend all that money for? You know, and then and then that money goes from thirty million down to fifteen million. You know, they're still going to give the money. There's, st- but it won't be at this insane level. So I I do think that that's going to play the first couple like big time busts, whether it's like one individual player or this whole recruiting class that they you know pushed into some collective or whatever. Um, I do think it'll kind of organically level off a bit but i just don't know to what level because again it takes a different type of crazy person to be a college football like big time booster just in general and the people who are shelling out that kind of money to get high school recruits i don't know maybe they just they have a certain budget that they work with their financial advisor and they say hey this money is is tagged for buying recruits and i know it sounds crazy but that's my thing. Just let me do it. <laughs> Imagine that conversation. You walk into like your local Edward Jones office and you you sit down with your advisor and you're like, listen, I, I, I need a new bucket in my portfolio for um, paying high school football players to influence their college decisions. And the advisor, he's sitting there, he just kind of, he like pulls his glasses off. He sets them on his desk and just kind of rubs, you know, the bridge of his nose and, and just looks you in the eye. I'm sorry. What? uh yeah so you you pay me a lot of money to do this so you can do whatever you want but i strongly advise against this yeah as your advisor (laughs) my advice is to uh get a different hobby uh man yeah so it's if you haven't noticed by now when things change when the deck gets shuffled in college football the rich get richer it pretty much does not matter what the change is that's the way it goes when you have more resources you can take advantage of chaotic circumstances in the sport and there are a few teams at the very top that do have the resources like you said not only available but willing to be used in that way um, I do think there's there's this top tier in NIL and otherwise, right, where it's kind of the any means necessary group 
10 to 15 schools, you know who they are. They've always been on top. Um, as far as we can tell, they'll continue to be on top. There's a couple schools here and there that can fluctuate up or down, but by and large, it's the same few schools. It's the ones competing for championships. And beyond that, I think MSU maybe is in that second to third tier of like, we're investing in our football program. We know we want to take that next step, but we don't have the network that Alabama, AM, USC, Oklahoma, you name it, Texas have. And would we love to be there? Sure. But can we make a really successful football program staying in that second tier? Maybe, you know, nipping at the heels of the, the back end of the first tier. I think that's probably where we want to be right now. Who knows what it could be in 10 years. Um, Something like just, Penn State, right? You're, sure. you're always, you know, you have enough talent to be a quarterback away kind of thing. And you're nipping at the heels, but you're not necessarily in that group. You're, you're standing at the door, but you're not at the table. So let's close book on NIL for now. It'll come up again. I'm sure this off season, people need things to talk about. And uh, it's a big, obviously a big news topic um, all off season and, and looking into the future, but let's talk about recruits. Let's talk about these visits. So we'll start with um, just kind of reviewing, like I said, the, the individual weekends in June, who's officially visiting um, starting with the weekend of June 3rd, these are, we'll go by Fridays, but typically they stay for a couple nights, Friday night, Saturday night, uh, spend some time on campus, you know, see the grounds, get to know the team better. Um, maybe get out, you know, in the, in public life in the evenings, uh, the coaches maybe, you know, return to their homes and, uh, and let the players show them around. Uh, obviously that can take a lot of different forms. Um, yeah, you. Hey, you guys behave. Wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. I'm going home. Arrested and I don't, don't know die. anything. I don't know anything from here on out. <laughs> don't make any news and uh, have a good time. So June third, first weekend, uh, starts with a bang. Uh, at the top, of, well, first of all, a couple guys who are already committed. Again, these commitments can change. Signing day, early signing day, is still six months away. Signing day is still nine months away. So uh, they're committed. Verbally, Graham Couch would uh, would laugh and have some philosophical debate about what a commitment means or what it actually is. But currently, they have said they intend to play football for Michigan State. So Bo Edmondson and Jonathan Slack, both currently committed three stars, are going to be on campus. Um, at that point, a lot of these guys become recruiters as well. You know, it's it's kind of that high school cohort, they're your peers. You can always bring current players in to help attract guys, but having guys who, hey, come to Michigan State with me. Let's do this together. Yeah, they're um, going to camps together. They, they yeah. probably met throughout that circuit. So those two will be on campus June 3rd. Uh, the top of the list, the BT Jordan effect, as it's been dubbed, um, will be in full effect the weekend of June 3rd with David Hicks and Vic Burley, both defensive line um, guys, both kind of six four six five two seventy ish big guys, both top thirty five. David Hicks currently, according to twenty four seven, is the number four recruit in the country. Uh, Vic Burley at number thirty three, both top five defensive linemen. David Hicks is actually the number one defensive line prospect uh, in the country in the 23 class, we're going to stick to the 23 class. I didn't mention that, but 24 is still kind of taking shape. So we'll stick to 23. So we'll start there. Those two. Um, wow. I mean, it's Texas five-star and a Georgia five-star. We've talked before about how like a Texas or a Georgia three-star is very different from like a Pennsylvania three-star, right? These guys are both from two of the top recruiting states in the country still coming out of those states with enormous praise and potential. Um, David Hicks has been training with Brandon Jordan since middle school. Uh, he put out his top, one of these guys, I don't know if it was Hicks or Burley, sorry, but um, put out their, were preparing to put out their top five, got an offer from Brandon Jordan and Mel Tucker the day they were planning to put out their top five, 12 hours before the announcement. And they put out a top six with Michigan state in it. That's the kind of effect <laughs> we're seeing in recruiting. Now we're still need to see if that translates to commitments. Um, but 
Kevin, these two guys both could be really cornerstone guys as you look at building out a defense for years to come and and seeing these first Brandon Jordan recruits coming in the door. Either one stick out to you in particular? Not not individual. Like I do like I was I was reading a little bit and and watching with Vic Burley. One I the reason I kind of keyed in on him was because he has an awesome name, an awesome defensive lineman name. You know, just just imagining another sack by Vic Burley like that. That just sounds good. Rolls off the tongue. But 81 inch wingspan at six, five and a half. So you got those long arms. I really like that. But the yeah, the, the BT effect, he is really active on social media, which I think really helps because he is constantly throwing it in everybody's face who follows him how many top tier NFL guys that he has worked with. There's recently I saw there was like a somebody from PFF put out a list of the top 25 uh, or the top 10 defensive players in the NFL under 25 years old. And BT just quote tweeted, yeah, I've worked with five of these guys. You know, <laughs> it's 50% of the list and half of the list is like corners and safeties and stuff. You know, it's, it's a whole defense. So that that's real and um and it's obviously starting to pay off now again we've we've talked about it before for the effect to truly be real you got to close and and it's not it's not it's never enough to just be the foot in the door with the guys right you got to close but um i i feel pretty good about his ability to do so uh especially when paired with mel tucker who we know is a closer on the recruiting trail but yeah, I mean, if you ask me, like, there's there's two guys in this entire recruiting class that you know I could take, I could take these two guys, and however we fill out the rest of the class, I I literally wouldn't care less. And if you gave me Dante Moore and David Hicks, I don't care if we fill out the class with two stars. That's that's good enough for me. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, David Hicks, he he just has that. That thing that you every like first round pick defensive lineman that ends up coming out, it's that somewhere between six four and six six, somewhere between two hundred and sixty to two hundred eighty pounds with that elite athleticism. That's that sweet spot of like you're really big, but also you're not too big to where you're still really explosive and really athletic and. He definitely fits that bill and and you just put on the tape for two seconds and you can see all of that. So yeah, we've we've mentioned it before. If if you can land an elite defensive line, there's very few things that are more enjoyable from a viewing perspective than your defensive line just dominating a game. And that's, you know, hope hopefully where this thing is headed with uh with Brandon Jordan. So we'll get into all-time recruits at the end of the episode here, but just as context. David Hicks would have been would be assuming his rating holds the second highest rated recruit in Michigan State history since they started tracking and I think 2000 uh, behind the great Charles Rogers. Um, that said, Vic Burley would have been I think like the fifth rated. Uh, for context, we've had five five stars all time um, in that 20 two-year span uh, and I, like I said we'll get into the historicals in a little bit uh, when it comes to just kind of momentum with these guys David Hicks I mentioned how long he's been training with Brandon Jordan um, there's a real shot here with with this kid and and he could like I said I mean he's walking on campus year one and he's probably going to start if he commits to Michigan State it's exciting. Um, outside of that, in the June 3rd uh, weekend, you've got Madden Sanker, an inside offensive lineman, big Molly guard, um, rated number 82 nationally right now. Jelani Thurman, tight end. I feel like we are recruiting an enormous I know. amount of tight ends. I, um, I was just so going to say the same thing. <laughs> it's just every big, not every big name, but it feels like every big name that comes across is another four-star tight end. Um, Jelani Thurman coming out of Georgia again, rated number 132. Uh, a few more names, a couple four-stars, Chance Rucker and Jalen Braxton, both corners, and Sh Shamarad Umarov, 
uh, three-star top 400 guy again out of Georgia. Both the corners, Rucker. I think by way of Denmark, but I'm not 100% sure on that. So we've got a Georgia-Texas cohort uh, June 3rd. Slack's from Michigan, but outside of that, all of those names are from either Georgia or Texas. I don't know if they're doing that intentionally, if they're doing like a little Texas day on campus, but um, all those guys, they'll have something uh, in common. Get Darius Snow there as the official host. There we go. Um, so that will be an exciting weekend. I mean, for, uh, spectators like us recruiting weekend, recruiting visits, like you get the pictures, right. And you get like the So-and-so, uh, recaps his visit with 24 seven, you know, they write a quick article about it. In reality, you don't really get too many details of, out of it unless you get a really good interview with the kid who's really open. But, uh, anyway, they'll be around assuming their travel plans all align and they, uh, they, you know. It pans out. Uh, big weekend. Moving to June 10th, some interesting stuff. Again, some already committed guys going to be on campus. Andrew DePepe, um, probably the biggest recruiter in his class so far for Michigan State. Definitely uh, piping up the Brandon Jordan effect, kind of giving us some boots on the ground to say, hey, come play with me. He'll be around Kedrick Riscano. Riscano. I think he was the first commitment in the class. Uh, coming out of New Caney, Texas. He'll be on campus. And Brennan Parachek, in-state tight end, four-star tight end uh, from Dexter, who will also be uh, on campus, helping us to try to attract a couple names we've been tracking for a long time. Ryan Yates, who we were hot on. Some things happened behind closed doors. The saga continues. The saga continues. Currently listed as committed to LSU, but... He's still listed as as a visitor for June 10th. We mentioned at the top of this segment that nothing on these top guys is closed until they put their name on paper. Um, Six months till signing day, that's a whole lot of time to work on a kid. And if he does come up, um, you never know. Ooh, heck of a voice crack on a Thursday morning. Uh, He's rated number 117 in the country, right on his heels. Enau Etta, who has been hot on Michigan State for a long time, he's listed Michigan State's the only school he's listed as warm on I have felt great about him for a long time I think we are certainly the clubhouse leader with him right now Um, anything can change but he has already developed a bit of a relationship with the Pepe who will be on campus that weekend more top tier defensive line recruits in the mix he Etta is ranked number 129 in the class and just behind the Pepe at number 155 our first linebacker on the list, Jordan Hall, who uh, really exciting prospect out of IMG. 6'2", really could be a cornerstone linebacker for that defense in the future. Um, those three guys, Kevin, I think we've been talking about for a while. Anyone specifically that uh, sticks out, Any anything I missed on those guys? No, I just think with Eno, at, uh, that's one we got to close. Right. Yeah. That's that's one that if we let that one slip through the fingers that, you know, I don't want to go down the whole hyperbole of, well, we got to start questioning whatever. But uh, that's one where, again, it seems like we've been the leader in the clubhouse for months now and we just got to get that thing done. Yeah. A couple more four stars. Jamal Anderson, linebacker out of Georgia, number 215 in the class. Clay Wedden, Whedon out of Tampa, Florida. Um, inside offensive lineman ranks number 290. So there's a few three stars filling out that weekend. But again, Florida, Georgia, Texas, uh, it's it's a different world now. We're living in, I guess I got to get used to it. And uh, hopefully that'll be the case for years to come. Uh, moving to the next weekend, June 17th, a little bit quieter, maybe because graduations are uh, in season that you know, later in the month, who knows, or they just haven't filled out the roster yet for that weekend. It's still a month away, but headlined by Miles McVeigh, another kid who's been really high on Michigan State for a long time. He's listed as warm on Michigan State, Alabama, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma. This is the world we're living in now. These are the lists that these guys are um, considering and that we're competing against. Get the bag ready. (laughs) <laughs> but Miles McVeigh's been big on Michigan State for a long time. Six foot six, three hundred and fifty-eight pound offensive tackle, mm-hmm. enormous kid. Um, again, 
usually you got a little bit of both, a little bit of muscle, a little bit of something else on these high school kids when they're that size. We brought in a guy like Ethan Boyd, who I think was coming in at like 340 last year. And uh, certainly maybe a little bit of uh, baby weight still to shed, but you get them in that, that nice new weight room and uh, you can see what happens. So McVay, Peyton Kirkland, another giant offensive tackle, also six foot six, uh, almost a top 200 guy considering Florida, Miami, Michigan State, Oklahoma, and Alabama. Um, so this is offensive tackle weekend. you got a three-star Trevor Locke out of uh, Indiana coming up, another six-foot-six offensive tackle, and then a wide receiver, Frederick Moore, rounding out that weekend out of Missouri. So a little bit quieter weekend, but I think McVay is another kid just like, you know, Etta, who has been big on high on us for a long time, um, he has a heck of an offer list, but it'd be great to close on him. And as we look at the last weekend in the month, again, I expect more names to fill into this, but uh, the June 24th weekend, Amari Washington, defensive lineman out of Arizona, Chandler, Arizona, which I believe we've had a recruit or two out of the last couple classes. I want to say Lewerke was from there. Yeah. Um, so six foot four defensive lineman, top 150. And then a top 150 corner, Dalen Austin, who is currently committed to LSU, but uh, hopefully bringing him up for, for a visit. I feel like corners, we've had a lot of momentum, but just has not have not really seen them come through yet. So hopefully maybe we'll get a flip. Maybe we'll get two flips out of the LSU secondary. Who knows? Uh, it'd be great to, uh, to get some wins over a team like that, a program like that. Um, Rounding out the class, Joe Crocker, not the class, the visiting class, Joe Crocker, uh, another six foot six offensive tag. I feel like they just filtered by six foot six and said, let's just invite all these guys. Um, top 500 offensive tackle from Tennessee. Eddie Pleasant currently committed as a cornerback out of Florida. He will be doing his best to attract some, some running mates here in the 23 class. So those last two weekends, a little bit quieter for now, Kevin. Anybody stick out? Anybody you were hoping to see on these lists who isn't yet? Not really. Sorry, I was muted there. Uh, <laughs> not really in particular. I mean, you know, we've talked about it before. I don't really get too into a recruiting story or headline until they're at least, you know, hey, we're warm. They're they're doing an official visit. So there's not a whole lot of guys that like, oh, I would love to see this guy in, in East Lansing or something. But um, I, I was just kind of thinking about from a, a, while I was taking a shower this morning, you get the enlightenment and uh, the kind of philosophical differences between Mel Tucker and Mark D'Antonio. And you mentioned it with the, just all of the guys coming from Texas and from Florida and from Georgia and I was thinking about like why that is. And I think the the real difference stems from if you asked Mark D'Antonio going into every season, uh, what what's the goal? His goal every year was to win the Big Ten and go to the Rose Bowl, right? And anything that happened after that, anything as far as like national, you know, whatever, there were some things that were out of his control, right? Who gets selected into the playoff? Who who gets selected into the BCS national title game? And Mark D'Antonio was very much a control what you can control kind of guy. And all of that stuff was just kind of gravy at the end. And the goal was winning the Big Ten. And from the coordinator hires to the play calling to the development to the recruiting everything was trying to meet that end goal of winning the Big Ten. And if you ask Mel Tucker, what's your goal? He's saying winning a national championship. And again, you can see that from the coordinator hires to the play calling to the recruiting, what type of guys he's trying to bring in, what type of guys he's really committing assets and time to make sure that we go and get these guys. It's in the quest of a national title. And if we win the Big Ten, that's great, but that's a stepping stone on the way to the final goal rather than it being the final goal. And I don't think there's anything wrong or right necessarily with, with each of their paths. They're just different. And I think that's why 
you start to see the big differences of like Michigan State has always been a national program, right? Where we've never been just like this tiny little regional program. And that's why we only recruited regionally. It was just because the goals were different. And Mark D'Antonio wanted guys who understood what it meant to beat Michigan and understood had that chip on their shoulder to beat Ohio State because they were Ohio guys who weren't recruited by Ohio State. And Mel Tucker's saying, like, all right, we're we're gonna win the Big Ten. That's great, but it's on route to a national title. And that's why we're going after the five-star kids from Texas. Mark D'Antonio offered all these guys. Like it's not like he just sat back and was like, ah, I'm not even gonna bother. He offered them, he he recruited them, but nowhere near the level of Mel Tucker in terms of we're flying down to see you multiple times. We're calling you every day. We're posting on social media every day because we need this player. We need these players. It's just a different approach. And like you said, you know, it's it's going to take some getting used to, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Again, you know, it just depends on, on how you view it, but uh, it is certainly different. Yeah, I mean, Nick Saban didn't build what he built by saying, hey, come help us beat Auburn. You know, he, he built it saying we want to win national championships and we need the best players in the country. So like you said, the goals are different and the approaches are different because of that. Um, and on the other side, like too, because I think we always look at the optimistic side of that's how Nick Saban did it. That's also how Texas did it. Right. So like, I'm just saying it could go both ways, right? It could go to where hey, we need to win the national title. We need to get these players and it just never works. Um, the, the challenge here is that the route. Mel Tucker is really trying to shift a paradigm. I mean, you have to, you mentioned that Mel Tucker or Mark D'Antonio was all about, you understand the rivalry, come in and help us, you know, win the, the balance of the rivalry, turn it in our favor Mel Tucker is trying to outgrow the rivalry with Michigan with Michigan. He's trying to take Michigan state and say, we're better than Michigan. We're going to beat them 70% of the time, 80% of the time, but we have bigger goals. That's not, you know, that's a priority, but it's not our only priority. And we need to be, if Mel Tucker gets what he wants, we're going to be beating Ohio state more than 50% of the time. I mean, that's what we're trying to build towards here. And that's a tall order. And, you have to go after those guys. You may fail. You may miss out on these guys and never reach that goal. But if you don't try to get these guys, if you don't really try to get these guys, you're not going to reach those heights with consistency. Um, we saw, I think, the natural high point of, Mel, of Mark D'Antonio's approach, and that is winning the Big Ten, going to the playoff, going up against those teams that have built their program to win national championships and getting laughed out of the building. And it was embarrassing. It took a long time to swallow those lumps, I think, as a program. Um, it's always like we can't really dangle that, you know, that achievement too much because, well, there's always that caveat. Yeah, you made it, but uh, – and, and that's not where we want to be. So just as context in terms of geography um, with these five stars. So Michigan State since 2000 has – landed according to 24 seven, five, five-star recruits, three of those from Michigan, Charles Rogers, William Golston, and Malik McDowell, two from out of state, but both from the region, Jeff Smoker from Eastern Pennsylvania and Roland Martin back in 04 from Chicago. So we've never really ventured more than a few hour drive from East Lansing to land one of these five stars they're not really from recruiting hotbeds. Chicago might be a big city, but it's really not known for its top tier football talent, maybe basketball. Um, so it, it's, it's new waters where I guess swimming in, like we've mentioned before. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll just kind of isolate David Hicks because we do have a lot of momentum. I think we do have a real legitimate chance to land him here and he could be really the only prospect that's, sniffed Charles Rogers on the top of this list in a long time. Um, we were kind of, I mean, we weren't too young to remember Charles Rogers time at Michigan state, but we were probably too young to remember his courtship to Michigan state, his recruitment, right. right. The momentum, what the vibe was like when he committed. And we also didn't have this social media kind of internet forum era of recruiting where everybody's talking about these guys. It was like, 
oh, you know, we got this, uh, you know, there's some excitement around this guy from Saginaw. Let's see what he's all about. He gets to yeah, campus. I read a newspaper article about him. Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah. Like, oh, that's something to keep an eye on when fall rolls around. Totally different world we're living in now. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, you mentioned it, it comes down to closing. It, if anything, it, it would hurt, I think, even more than not going after these guys if we went after all these five stars, all these top tier guys and, and just missed them all. Um, and again, this is only one class. Mel Tucker will hopefully be around for quite a while. But uh, I think the momentum's been there. The progression's been there. The wins have been there for a season. Uh, the next really thing you'd want to see out of this program is to start to to reel these guys in and, and bring them onto campus and start to win games with, with this talent. And um, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it's, but it's different. I don't, it, there's a part of me that's like, don't trust it. Don't get excited. You know, those, I mentioned those offer lists, Alabama, A&M, Oklahoma, Florida, that is stiff competition. Nick Saban just said, Texas A&M is rolling the Brinks truck into these driveways. And at the end of the day, that's really hard to compete with. Um, money's money. It can change lives, not only the players' lives, their families' lives, their legacy. And you can't say it's wrong for the kids. That's a great thing for individual recruits. Maybe you can talk about whether it's a great thing for the sport, whether it's a great thing for the guys lower on the list of talent. For those individual kids, that is a fantastic opportunity. And it's really hard to, to you know, roll your eyes at a kid who's like, yeah, I'm going to go play for A&M because they gave me $3 million. Um, I don't know if that's the sandbox Michigan State wants to play in, but it's the one that uh, that's being created if you want to go after those guys. So you got to be willing to play the game. I have a final thing here that will kind of illustrate a lot of what we're talking about here to close us out. The 2011 recruiting class. So this is kind of cornerstone class for the, you know, 2013, 14, 15 run. It was ranked 33rd nationally by the 24-7 sports, the 32nd ranked recruiting class in the composite. I'm going to list off a couple players here, Scott. We all know them. They were cornerstone pieces of those teams. Trey Waynes, Connor Cook, Shalik Calhoun, uh, Darian Harris, Ed Davis, Jack Allen. Of those players, what do you think? I guess you can guess who do you think was the highest ranked player recruiting wise, and what were they ranked nationally? Jack Allen, Ed Davis, Darian Harris, Trey Waynes, Connor Cook, Shalik Calhoun. Mm. Probably all three stars are lower. That is correct. The highest rated, that's hard to say because they all took a couple years on campus to really, maybe Trey Waynes, he, he was pretty young when he started to uh, to build some momentum in the program. So I'll go with Trey Waynes, highest rated. And give give just a rant, like a nationally ranked, what, what would you say? 500. So Jack Allen was the highest ranked guy at 527 nationally. And then you had Connor Hook was 949. Trey Waynes, not ranked, coming out of Wisconsin. Like, is it possible to do it the Mark D'Antonio way and beat Ohio State and win a Big Ten? Absolutely. Is that sustainable consistently to beat Ohio State? Like you said, more than half the time and not just like three times in eight years, which is really impressive, right? But we're talking, we want to beat them five times in eight years. You're not going to do it with that model. It's just the odds of signing all unranked three-star kids, low-ranked guys out of Illinois and Michigan and Wisconsin and Ohio. It's just... It's really, really, really hard to win that way. And he did, to a credit to incredible development and a really good culture. But when you want to reach those heights, I mean, that's just not sustainable. Because for every, for every Shalik Calhoun, there's 25 other guys who just never do anything, right? Yeah. And on top of that, 
the thing that nobody in the Big Ten really wants to talk about right now is that Ohio State's talent is only getting better. I mean, they, yeah. they've really established themselves last two or three classes as a top five recruiting program. They're bringing in, I mean, how many times have we seen the top quarterback in the country, the top defensive lineman in, the, in this class commit five-star whoever committed to Ohio State today. They are bringing in more talent than they ever have. I think Ryan Day has a rapport with these recruits that Urban Meyer and uh, Jim Tressel didn't necessarily have. He's got a really vibrant young coaching staff down there who's really attracting top talent. Um, they're only getting better. And if nobody in the Big Ten can step up and start to go to bat for similar players, it's just going to be it's going to be like Clemson and the ACC a few years ago when it was just like, well, they're going to win all their games and go to the playoff this year, and you can just pencil them in now. So you have to be willing to try to wear that cap as you know Mel Tucker and say, we're going to try. We might fail. We might make a mockery of ourselves like Texas did. Um, thankfully, we don't have the pressure of a right. blue blood football program with boosters who are like, if this coach doesn't win a national championship in his first four years, he's going to be fired, um, which is a blessing, certainly, to be able to invest in a guy like Mel Tucker and say, hey, you've got your 10-year contract. Do what you need to do to get us there. So June, going to be an exciting month. Um, we probably won't do another full-blown 2023 recruiting uh, roundup for a little while, um, at least until probably the end of June. Hopefully, obviously, if we get some commitments in here or any big recruiting news drops, we'll touch on it. But it's not our favorite topic. There's so much variability. And at the end of the day, the, the rankings themselves are pretty flawed. Um, there's thousands, tens of thousands of high school football players. It's impossible to nail these guys down. And their talent levels are changing rapidly as well. They're high school players developing their own skill set right now. And and some bodies. guys plateau early, some guys leap their senior year. I mean, this stuff is constantly moving around. So don't put too much weight into it. Don't get too upset if, you know, your your recruiting crush goes somewhere else. Remember, there are Shalit Calhouns. There are Trey Waynes out there who may not look the sexiest when they commit. But four years from now, you may be looking back laughing that nobody else was looking at them. So it's an interesting game. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's brutal. Um, but it gives us something to talk about in the middle of May. And uh, and it's something to be certainly excited about given where Michigan State is right now. Yeah, it's it's an exciting time. And it is also personally an exciting time because uh, we're heading up north here pretty soon for a wedding. Scott, I will see you in a little more than 24 hours here. I was and, thinking uh, about this. We'll when enjoy last... a, couple, a couple daddy when... pops and... When was the last time we sat in a room together? It's dude, it's been a while. We we were planning, so you know, for the people who are still listening, I obviously live in, in Poland. Scott lives in the new greater New York area. Uh, we were planning on going there, what was that, last summer? And then we had to cancel plans because of COVID. So yeah, it's it's been a minute, man. It's it's definitely been a little while. Even like it was just kind of looking through the list of everybody at the wedding, and I'm like, man, I've seen a lot of these people in like two, three years now because of all these travel problems. So, and even your last couple of visits back, you were in it. Michigan, and I was on the East Coast. So I think it honestly might have yeah. been our backpacking trip in 2016 or shortly maybe that year 2016 17 kind of school year and then you headed out of the country i headed across the country and i don't think we've seen each other since we both left I, the state i came out to new york that one time but i don't even That's remember what year that was. that was like year one though that was the first yeah. year i lived out there so yeah, probably four years now, which is wild. It feels like we see each other every week. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so definitely exciting. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you for everybody's patience on, on yeah. scheduling. Obviously, we this probably probably will be at least a day late next week, too. We'll be coming back from the wedding on Sunday. So if we can get it out Monday morning, we will. Uh, but Again, there, we got a lot of stuff going on here. So if it's a day late, we we apologize. We'll try to do it before Thursday, but uh, we'll we'll make sure we get it out. All right. Well, let's go have ourselves a weekend. Hopefully, everybody else does too. Um, the weather's picking up. It's perking up um, around the state of Michigan. Maybe 
a little dreary this weekend, but at least um, we got long days. We're like a month from the longest day of the year now. So get out, enjoy yourself, shake out that winter rust and uh, get your shorts out when you can. Work on the patio if you're working from home and you have the ability. Get some vitamin D and uh, yeah, summer's just getting started. All right. Well, Scott, we'll see you soon. Everybody else, you will hear us next week, hopefully before Thursday. Appreciate the patience. Appreciate you listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.